Hello and welcome to my second six-day compilation series of Silence. Each day over the next six days, I'm bringing you the best of some 13 hours of raw honesty and vulnerability that happens on this show. Silence is a weekly podcast and conversation between women in science, technology, engineering and mathematics, or STEM. All of my guests are highly accomplished females, but most importantly, they're human, just like the rest of us. I deliberately keep their identities secret so that they have real freedom to share their experiences, wisdom and hope about surviving and thriving in what often feels like a very male-dominated world. So whatever it is you do with your own life, if you ever feel like you don't fit in or that you're in a minority in some way, you may find some inspiration here. Trust me, I was one of very few women in mechanical engineering for a number of years. I know the feeling. Have a listen to this collection of sound bites from some amazing trailblazers, and you might, just as I always do, get motivated to be the best version of yourself. Enjoy. I think for me, what did it was finally feeling confident in myself as a scientist. Um, and for me, actually, that was when I finally got that first author nature publication. Um, that was, for some reason, um, being published in nature was it was always something I had in the as a, as a big goal of mine. And um, finally, the uh, my first year as a postdoc, um, one of my papers was my, was was published in nature, and it made a little bit of a splash, and it was kind of a, a, an exciting result. And I think after that, I started feeling like, hey, you know, I, I've sort of proved to myself and to everyone that that I can do good science and um, and I didn't really have to feel like I was an imposter anymore. And so there, there was sort of a turning point where there were external things and, you, you know, just, you know, your publications and, and, and um, you start having ideas about different research areas and, and going to telescopes and, you know, operating the largest telescope in the world by yourself. And uh, there's, there's certain um, uh, just confidence that comes from, from having succeeded in science. And then you just sort of start to care less what other people think. (laughs) Give it a go. The worst thing that can happen is you learn something. That's exactly right. And so in tech, I think um, early on, I, I felt like I wasn't being listened to and I wasn't being heard. And there were times where I would get very frustrated with that. And, uh, um, I started to really get a big chip on my shoulder. It started turning into a boulder on my shoulder. And I got very, very frustrated with it. And I realized that, you know, I wasn't really playing the game to win. You know, I wasn't looking at it through the eyes of really, you know, like a video gamer. How do I, how do I win in this arena? And, um, and so I had to come up with some strategies for how to navigate um, the landscape so that I could be heard. And one way I found to do that was to use data to support anything that I was proposing or um, uh, any initiative that I had worked on. I would show the numbers and and get into the metrics and you couldn't argue with the data and it didn't matter if I had a vagina while I was presenting something that actually was making money or driving growth. And so, you know, it was 
really identifying how I could make decisions on what I focused on that had real impact because I was able to quickly identify that I was being very busy doing a lot of work, but it wasn't always focused on the, the work the company cared about. And so once I started figuring out, okay, if I can create a new line of business and generate new revenue with a product idea that could potentially do that, how do I pitch that to them in a way that they'll say yes and fund it? I went through a period of extremely low self-esteem in graduate school. Um, and I had to sort of decide if I wanted to stay. Like, how much did the doctorate really mean? Like, was I going to need it for my career moving forward? Or could I just master out and choose to do something else with my, like, go into pharmaceutical sales or whatever people do? <laughs> um, and it it has taken me maybe a good five years post-graduation to really feel like I've come around and am much have a much healthier relationship with who I am as a complete person than I did at the time. Um, and it comes from just not knowing yourself and believing the things that other people tell you. For senior, senior women can sometimes be just as unsupportive as, as men. And, and I've... Uh... I found that very early on. I, I, um, I always knew that I wanted to have children, something that I always knew. I had younger sisters and I always knew I wanted to have children. And yet, you know, I was told when I was younger, I had to choose. I had to choose between having a family and having a career. That was what I was told. And of course, it was a little bit late because I was already pregnant. But, you know, so I, I thought to myself, you know, I'm going to prove you wrong. Sorry. Um, and that was a woman that told me that it was a senior woman, a senior woman in a, in a position. She had obviously made that choice herself. Um, and that's, you know, that she didn't tell me that specifically, but I think she gave an after dinner speech of which this was the theme, you know, to be a good academic, you've actually got to choose between having a family and having the children. People find it very difficult to still talk about how they feel. Um, and we spend many hours at work, you know, more time than we do with our spouses, with our children, with our family and our friends, doing the things that we we volunteer to do um, versus, you know, going to work and, and, and for some need to do. Um, and yet we have to sometimes shut ourselves off. I wrote an article called, um, you know, and I'm telling you this because I don't mind my um, identification being shared, as you know, um, called What I Learned from Crying in the Toilets at Work, you know, and and um, and I'm not ashamed to say that I used to cry in the toilets at work, but I think it's sad that I had to be in the toilets. Although I wouldn't necessarily call myself a socialist, um, but I think that would be the only thing that I would change. Is I I only learned a couple of years ago that, that there was that difference in people's assumptions and and drivers. I had always assumed that everyone was working with the same set of knowledge that I was working with. And when I, I went through a, an emotional intelligence test process and out of that um, came that I was a lot more aware of people's emotional drivers. So I had assumed that everyone had the same access to emotional driver information that I did and was doing it anyway and I couldn't understand why they would do things, whereas once I understood that they hadn't necessarily picked up on that, I was more able to understand their responses. 
Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I mean, I would remember being in these physics courses, um, me and the, the one other um, female student, um, and we ended up becoming really great friends because we always were the only women in class together. But, you know, if you're sitting in a class and you're the only woman or one of only two, it kind of, you, you kind of feel like you're almost on display because, you know, if you're not there, like, let's say you miss class, everybody knows because the one woman isn't there, you know, it's, it's, whereas if you're a man, you can be more anonymous. Um, and where I, I always felt like I was sort of on display in, in, in classes when I, especially, um, you know, back in the nineties when there were even fewer women in science than there are now. Available too. I mean, I, I think, as I said, I work at this cross section of science and art where I found that cross sectionality was in, um, kind of augmented and virtual reality because it fuses them together. It's very imaginative. It's very creative. I think you just have to kind of sit down and see, you know, um, the the two or three things that you like and, and research and think about how those things can be satisfied in the ratio that you'd like them to be satisfied in an actual career path. Um, and that's kind of that is the first step. And it's extremely hard to figure out what you want to do. There are so many people in the world that do something that they don't like to do. And they've even chosen to even go to school for it um, because of many reasons. Um, and I, I, I feel very, very fortunate to be able to choose what I want to do as well. And I take full advantage of the positivity of that and of um, – of the places that I can go with it. So it, you know, I think when you come from these communities, you automatically do feel different and you become sort of cultural chameleons when you're at home, you're sort of one, we have one mask. And then when you're, you know, at school uh, with people from outside of your ethnic community, you have a different mask. And then, um, and, and you end up sort of, you know, being able to run between both communities, which, you know, in, you know, for us, it was quite different. I think being a coming from a British Muslim Asian community is very different than the sort of white British community. Um, so I, th- I think it just allowed me to really build my communication skills in terms of adapting to different people. I think that it can be to our detriment, though, especially in the professional setting. So you know, even though I had this unconventional upbringing, I was still absolutely taught to respect authority. Authority meant anyone older than you, um, respect the rules, to follow the system, to be a good girl, to not rock the boat. You know, all of these things were instilled in me through quite strong (laughs) reinforcement at home. So it took me a really long time to get to a place where I realized I could establish a boundary with someone in a position of authority and that I had the voice and I could say, no, um, that's actually not what I think um, or you're wrong. And it took me a really long time to realize that I could decide to break a rule that might, you know, I would have to accept whatever consequences there were, but I could make that decision that was possible. And I wish that I had learned those things sooner. And as a woman, you know, we, in general, as a gender, we tend to use the word sorry a lot more yeah. compared to men. Why so there's all these that? little things. And I am at a transition point right now, again, where I have to sort of figure out what direction I'm going, which 
now, now that we've had this conversation, actually feels a little bit more exciting. <laughs> yes. Ironically, already growing up as not fitting in, even though I think it's made me very insecure in some aspects, I also think really made me comfortable with just going for what I enjoyed doing because I was aware that people are going to disapprove either way. So I might as well make the choices that I feel are better for myself. It it was just who I was. I figured I'm not cool and that was okay with me. And I think it was good to be comfortable with that. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't aspire to it because I never thought I would be it. So in a way, it took some of the pressure off that I could be a little weird. And as I grew up, I think I... I had, you know, friends who were boys and I joke that they helped me deal with this world where it's all sometimes, you know, they are older than me, but they are really boys in in how they react. Mm. So I joke about that. And and that's given me some of the resilience, I think, to deal with with, uh, being in a male-dominated world and still able to have my friends and do my thing, you know. Yeah, my mom's my mom's in science and my my father's um in engineering. So but the things that they actually ended up working, the fields they actually ended up working in did not directly touch those fields, let's say. But um I think it was still something that was, you know, there was just a there was a bar set where you have to kind of we'll explain to you like this baseline of all of these things, which is really helpful to kind of form the brain in I guess I'm the only like purely quote unquote artsy one, but you know, my brother is, he, he's like, he's a great photographer and like my father is like a very accomplished, like um, classical guitarist. So it's like, but those things weren't focused on. And that's why I, that's what I didn't understand in the beginning. It's like, why do you have to choose one? Why can't you be both? And um, I think as time goes on, and I think in our society now, especially, it's okay. It's like pretty normal to hear that someone is a, you know, a scientist, but I also play accordion. Like that's not really crazy. Um, but I think in the academic system, uh, you have to, you have to choose. Well, I think, so I, I have, I've always found, it's funny because I've gone through some personal trauma in the last year that has forced me to kind of look inward more than I am typically comfortable with, <laughs> like be, be way outside of my comfort zone in terms of I, I have actually gone to therapy for the first time in my life, which has been a very uncomfortable thing for me. But it, it just takes up a lot of energy. It's really consuming, right? Like when you're looking in on yourself, you have to feed it and you have to you know, like talk to yourself and analyze it. And it, it just takes... A lot of energy so for me personally I I don't hold on to things I don't hold grudges I for the most part really um, things sort of slide off my back and I can let them go and I find that really really helpful in my life and then what I try and do is really look look outward into the world for inspiration so I think it was um a I had very strong role models in my family and my community who were successful who were entrepreneurs and um and so therefore you know, it's like watching a TV show. I mean, I was watching a TV show of entrepreneurs all my life. Um, so I think that was really helpful. Um, I think that both my parents are actually incredibly hardworking and they're both really smart 
and intelligent. And so I guess, you know, a lot of it is nature and nurture and you can't really dismiss the DNA. Um, so I think, you know, I was lucky to inherit that from my parents, the nature and the nurture. And um, and then I think last, you know, lastly, I myself am incredibly driven and curious and hardworking. And I prefer working to this day to, um, you know, hanging out with friends or, you know, going to a spa or shopping. I'm sort of just wired for work and I'm wired to learn. And my enjoyment comes from learning, not from buying a handbag. Although I think everyone experiences imposter syndrome, I think because of how we're brought up, we're much more likely to be sensitive of what others think. And we're much more likely to second guess the quality of our work. And if you have less confidence in yourself and you perceive this job as being one where you have to be ultra competent and know everything about a field, then you might be less likely to bother applying and and going for it. And that's without counting the fact that, you know, men might be perceived as being more competent by interviewers due to potential cognitive biases during the interview process as well. So I wonder if all of those together are probably factors that influence that. Um, and also to a degree, I'd say a lack of role models um, I would say in the field of zoology, the gender balance is getting better and better compared to other science departments at my university. Um, and actually, you know, seeing young fellows who are women or who are starting their own lab has actually been quite inspiring for me. And it's actually what's made me gone from definitely going to leave academia to might consider returning in the future you know, my grandmother's part Chinese and, um, you know, she was kind of raised, she's passed away now, but she was raised with the concept to be self-promoting would actually bring you bad luck, <laughs> Do you know, that you don't talk about yourself and what you accomplished. And, and we've seen that, you know, that's definitely an attribute in some cultures. Well, in American business, especially even more than Europe, it's a requirement well, I think I, I, I think you said it's not just for in in relation to girls. I think that um, it's important when you when you're entering into a career or when you're embarking on a, a PhD, which is a three year four year project, that you have you know that you make sure that whoever it is you're working you know you're going to work with is somebody that you feel you can get on with because um, that uh, that. The successful you, you will go through difficult times so you need people that are going to be on your side and supporting you and uh working with you so i i, I my experience is, is that's as important to to males as it is to females um because uh you know you you need you need nurturing and you need that support so it's a difficult time and 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 uh, you will have times when you get very low and things don't look that great and and that's the time when you need somebody on your side and somebody saying oh it's going to be okay don't worry about it it's going to work out you know yeah well i didn't listen to her too much <laughs> cuz i could see again it's like when you look at it like a game board right you can't walk in with a rule set you have to look at the game that's actually being played. And in the work environment I was in, self-promotion was a requirement. 
even if you didn't have the confidence, you had to act like you had the confidence, you know? So while you say, yeah, how did you find so much courage? How were you such a badass? Like I keep saying, some of that was fake initially, do you know? I just did it anyway, even though I was afraid, you know, and I'd be like shaking on the inside. There was a part of me that knew that part of the the way that these people played that game was that you have to appear like you're in control and that you can do it, you know? I think we're seeing some of that with celebrities posting like no makeup selfies and and like leggings and sweats sort of like becoming a hip thing to wear. I hope that we're going that sort of direction. But I wanted to mention something about that sort of relatedness and belonging piece. And I mean, it's one of the core psychosocial needs that we have as humans, right? If we don't belong to the group, then we get eaten or we get sick and we die because we can't share the resources of the group. So it's so encoded in our DNA. And unfortunately, that social pressure of what women have to do in order to be valued and and seen as being you know, part of the group is really um, extreme and, and perhaps against our natural inclinations. I'm no, I don't even know if we would wear curlers and cold cream without, you know, the conventional beauty standards being what they are. So I don't think you're ever going to be perfect with everything. My approach has been more if there's been times I haven't done things with the right intention. Because to me, if you've gone into the right intentions, and I always try and assume with everyone else's behaviour as well that they're going in with the right intentions. They just maybe have a different frame of reference to me or there's been some sort of misunderstanding. And I find that helps a lot to um, dissolve issues. And I, I would hope that people would think that about me as well. I think a lot of the a lot of the conflict that I've had in work situations has often been because people have misunderstood what's driving me to do something and I haven't been good at articulating it so yeah actually that's true I was a little different in school and being an introvert I guess I didn't you know being popular or something wasn't a big thing for me I I would rather have a quieter conversation with one or two people and I have my best friend, my bestie from first grade, and we're still very close friends today. So I think I just look at that long arc of time. And we're in completely different worlds now, but when we talk, we're just so happy for each other. And really, that's all that matters sometimes is is you have that connection. Like, I think that's a really important um, way to use technology to, to be able to share these stories. Yes, yeah, very much so. Yeah, very much so. I never, um, you know, I, I was always questioning to people in authority anyway. And um, and so obviously parents are the first people that you come across in authority. And, you know, as, as soon as I started thinking of the world through geography and history um, at school and seeing different cultures, I just thought, you know, I thought that there's more to this. And the country where I came from, I would say, even perhaps with a five-year delay, but they're having those conversations now. And I think there's also a bit of a societal shift in how we perceive or think about women in the workplace. So I, I would say that things are changing. And I think that people are starting to value 
or see things differently. But obviously, change takes a very long time to come along. And at the same time, I would also say science is ironically quite a slow moving field. It takes a long time to finish a PhD, to finish a project. So the delay will probably feel quite long. Um, But I do think I am very optimistic and I do think that it will be changing for the better. Yeah. It does. Even if you have to fake it, though, Uh, you know, I don't think I had 100 percent self-belief, but I had some moxie. Some of that is just the result of me growing up in the environment I grew up in. I had to be tough. Right. I was going to say, I think you have to you have to choose your friends and your your partners very well as well, (laughs) you know, because and like I said, I chose my supervisor carefully. I knew that this is the guy I could work with. I think it's the same with your with your partners or you know you think well this this person is going to let me grow is this person is not going to try and stifle me not trying to make me into something I'm not this person is going to let me grow into the person I want to be you know and we'll we'll try and find a way and if if I want to have children and they want to have children then we'll find a way to do it but I I don't think it's like I, I went for something and I knew exactly what I was going to do and where I was going to end up. I don't think life's like that because I think you you take opportunities and I think it was extremely difficult at times, extremely difficult. And uh, there were times when I was very, very low and uh, there were times when um, I had no funding and the future looked bleak and, you know, I... Um, and, and at those times, then you turn, you look around and you see other people who would support you. And I went to my head of department and um, he supported me. He he sorted it out for me. He, he you know, we, we put together a package and um, he, he wanted me to do something which was, for me, technically quite difficult. Um, it was quite a lot of responsibility and a huge task. And... Um, I wasn't sure. And I said, well, I don't know. And he said, you can do this. You know, you can do this. I know you can do this. He had he had belief in me. And then I, I did it. And five years later, he turned to me and he said, I told you you could do it, didn't I? You know, and I think that belief other people have in you is also important. So you need to you need to look around you and look for those supportive people, those people who are going to support you for who you are and what you are and not try and make you into something different. I think that I've just accepted who I am. You know, I think that comes with age. Per- personally, for me, that has come with age. Um, I'm also a parent, and that, for me, has been pivotal because I've just grown. When I say thicker skin, I don't necessarily mean I'm less sensitive, and I still care what people think, and that's nothing to be ashamed of. But I think that I am better prepared for... Um, you know, not everyone being on my side, you know, I'm, I'm, I I just expect it now. In some ways, that's quite sad, but it's just the reality. I don't feel like I have to, I don't feel like it's really important to me that everybody likes me, um, you know, or that everybody's kind and that people aren't mean. And a lot of times, especially when you're the only woman on a team or something, you're the only one that's different. So you're more self-conscious. So you're more you know, and sometimes in some workplaces are more hostile than others, right? So you will not get that nurturing from your team, for example, if you're the only woman sometimes. And yeah, that feeds in on itself like, oh, I don't, you know, the imposter syndrome, I don't belong here. Yeah. 
what am I doing? I should go back and take care of my family or do this instead. And nothing wrong with doing that, but don't hide. I think that's what we tend to do. And it's very natural to do that. But I mean, I keep talking about Maya Angelou, but what she said is so true. Surviving is important, but thriving is elegant. And that was beautiful. I love it. I had it on my whiteboard at work and it, it became a mantra, you know, in a way you, you tell yourself these things. Yeah, okay, I'm surviving, but I'm not thriving because I'm not feeling that joy of coming into work and doing something. And then slowly you start to take those baby steps, even if you, you know, to to gain your own respect and your confidence and say, no, I know this. So let me say it clearly and, you know, speak up. Yeah. And that'll, that'll keep that frustration from going inwards. It'll help you to to overcome some things and you radiate that in a way sometimes and then people start to accept you that okay this one yeah she can you know she owns it she can do it mm. and it, when you hesitate and say something like we know it and we may be leading a project but we sometimes women we tend to to be a little timid in how we express ourselves or we don't own it completely you know yeah. warts and all like if there's a mistake hey I'm the one in charge. I did it. We don't we don't hide. We don't panic. And I think that that comes slowly over time, but it takes work. You got to keep reminding yourself, okay, get out there, do this. And I I have really um made it an effort to teach other women how to do that because I had great men who mentored me or, or sponsored me, you know, in those areas and coached me. Um, I have an old boss coming coming in uh, in a couple of days to coach us on uh, you know our pitch to raise more money for the company. He's great and he's very um, well known in the tech industry, and I feel fortunate to have people like that. So it's there are great people out there just like there are crappy people and you've got to find the ones that are going to be your advocates and it's not enough just to be mentored you have to be sponsored you know that's the thing you have to get your initiative sponsored so that that was sort of i think the turning point engineering gave me i think that discipline a little bit because physics can be pretty abstract and you can get lost somewhere and i wish everyone a, a wonderful journey we need more badass women in this field, um, you know, and I think I love what Warren Buffett said, you know, we've had a society where only 50% of the population has been contributing and how amazing the world will be when we can get the other 50% building and contributing at the same level. And we have to allow that to happen. That's all for today. Please do subscribe, rate and review the show. I'd love to have your feedback. Thanks for listening and catch you tomorrow for more from the best of silence.